This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC Vancouver. Our main event should be a good one, should be pure violence, tons of action. It is Justin Gaethje taking on fan favorite Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, as we talk about this card from top to bottom, all things DraftKings, the co host, the analyst of the show, the important guys, really. It is Chris Olson up there, Joe Sunsu. Guys, how are you doing? Sean, don't downplay your importance. I mean, you know, come on. I, you're the only one of the three of us that got that got time with Jimmy Smith. So yeah, that's yeah. true. Don't I'm downplay just, that. I'm just here for entertainment. I do other stuff where where I analyze and I do quick analysis here. But you guys go more in depth, and I'm here to berate you, keep the peace a little bit. Like this is more fun for me. This is of everything I do, the least analytical, and probably the most fun. So I'm happy to hear that. Well, yeah, as long as you're having fun, Sean. Yeah, as long, and, and, and you get the big box. So, I mean, that's really yeah. that's what's important. In all seriousness, seriousness, though, I do think it's something that sets us apart is, you know, we don't want to be as dry. The really successful guys are entertaining. Like people list, like listening to Daniel Levy and um, and Shaq talk. That's why half the battle is so good. Yeah. And there, there's other guys. And then Paul Shaughnessy is, is the five minute man. Yeah. So, I mean, uh that's he's going to change his even handle from Paul Shag to Five Minute Man. Um, there are there are tons of guys who do good analysis. There really are, but there's only a handful who I think are really entertaining, and I'm 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 hoping we we push that boundary here, especially when Chris says ridiculous stuff. Well, I'm, I'm to, praying he picks Tristan Connolly. Well, to that end, I, I was gonna I was gonna do the show in a Jason mask this week, but I didn't. Oh, that would have been awesome. It is yeah. Friday the thirteenth. It is Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, and we have that would have been that would have been apropos, and and you should have actually gone there. We yeah. have some. You I have, have some downright. You have I have, huh? You have a Jason mask? I don't. Which oh. is I. I thought of it like 15 minutes ago. Actually, uh, Zelda told me I should do it, and I thought, oh, that's a great idea, but uh, we're too late. So um, I have some spooky picks for you, though. Don't worry. I'm, I'm happy Zelda's still alive. I mean, we got we to gotta get him on sometime. We got to figure out 
And Zelda's like an OG that's just faded into obscurity. No, you know? he still pokes around. He's 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 still uh, our guy. I and guess. It's you know we've lost some interactiveness in terms of you know with the fans since Chris cut his freaking hair. Like yeah. the, the the trolling that happened with Chris's hair was was phenomenal. Yeah, I, do I want know. to shout out the guys in chat by the way who you know some of the regular some new people I see. Um, yeah, Chris is, Chris is the is the Samson of the MMA community. Like once his hair got got gone, you know, he just like started losing IQ points. Oh man, I don't even want to go go near Samson. Although no. that is a, a follow worth having. That's a different story for a different day, probably sure. a different pod podcast. But I want to thank thank Tyler Lee who said that being interactive with chat is what makes us the best too. Appreciate that. All the regulars in there who I can see already: Marco, uh, Zelda, Stanley Beauregard, MC Riddle, T uh, Tat. What the hell is that name, buddy? Tajik Taj Bay. Tajik Taj Bay. Yeah. I am really Stanley sorry. Beauregard, baby, and and Rod Rodmer. Where is where is uh, John Church? Come on, man. Well, and John Church. He he's an OG. He yeah. He, oh, with all the uh, Simpson gifts. So thanks to everybody in chat. We do appreciate it. Well, let's get into this card so we can deliver some of that fun, exciting content. But before we do, I have to tell you the podcast is brought to you by RotoWire. Go to RotoWire.com/slash. Free for a 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Make sure you give all of us a follow on Twitter. I'm at the DF Sniper. Joe is at Sunsu. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on. Well, if you're watching on YouTube, obviously on YouTube, hit that like button. Subscribe to the RotoWire channel. You can also listen to a replay of these podcasts, which we, we record live Friday nights at eight o'clock by going to iTunes and subscribing to RotoWire. MMA. I think that's enough intro, guys. Let's talk about this card. I will say I think it is a it's a lot of variance on this card for GPPs. The cash build is tough, but in terms of watchability, it's a good card, but nothing outside the main event, nothing explosive and great. Like this should be it looks like a solid top to bottom card that could deliver a bunch of finishes. You know, not a ton of sexy name value, but some really fun fights. Um, but it's a little bit of a slow build because we're starting off with Austin Hubbard at 8,800, taking on Kyle Prepelec at 7,400. Hubbard is the favorite, minus 130. Prepelec at plus 120. This kind of range right here, the odds of closing all these guys, so you can't get crazy with the line value when it comes to Chaz Skelly, Kyle Prepelec, Hunter Azur. Um, they're all kind of in that same range. The line is closed a little bit. That being said, Chris, you start us off. Who you got? Prepelec. Or Hubbard. Yeah, this is um, this is a, an interesting fight. Let me uh, zero in on myself here. This is an interesting Ooh. fight because Ooh. um, I know you'd love that. This is an interesting fight because we got two guys who are coming off of uh, UFC de debut losses. Uh, in, in the case of Prepolek, I just feel like he had a little trouble with the range against um, our our friend uh, Nordin Taleb, who uh, just recently got. Uh, knocked the F out in his last fight, but um, he definitely had a little trouble with the range and the length. Um, uh, Nordin Taleb was able to work his kicking game against him, but when Probolek is able to get inside, which he should be able to in this fight, there aren't a lot of, there isn't a lot separating these guys in terms of height and reach. <coughs> I, think uh, I was, I was, I was kind of, I was responding in chat for a second. Did you mention that Probolek was fighting short notice up a weight class? Mm-hmm. 
Like no. I didn't, but you did. So yeah. Then, so I did, that's why he couldn't get inside against against Taleb. I wasn't taking a shot. I really I was typing, and I went. Did he just skate by? That he couldn't get inside because Taleb is a long walkway. <laughs> Well, but it. no, but well, but uh, what I'll say is that he's had trouble before getting inside on uh, on Fair long me. fighters too. But um, be that as it may, um, you know when he is able to come forward and get his game going, I I, I kind of like him. He's an aggressive fighter. He does decent body work. Uh, he's got a nice check left hook, which I actually think could come in handy here. Uh, he's he's not that dissimilar. Oh, also he can wrestle a bit, and I, I should mention that. Um, he's not all that dissimilar from Austin Hubbard, who um, is a guy that, you know, my problem with Austin Hubbard, I like him. He throws in combination more than a guy like Prepolik does, and he does um, really nice uh, body head combination work. He likes to finish combinations with kicks. My problem is with him is that he tends to wait on his opponents a little too much. And um, for a guy like Prepolik, who does try to get inside and really try to make it a, a war and be aggressive, I really think like that Prepolik can get an advantage that way. I think overall, uh, Hubbard's the better striker. He wrestles a little bit as well. So it'll be interesting to see who goes for the first takedown in that instance. I think I'm going to like just slightly pick Hubbard here just because I think he's the crisper striker. I think he carries a little more power. And as I said, I, uh, I like the combination work. But um, I think that, that Hubbard could uh, maybe give – the opponent, a lot of inroads here if he just waits on him too much and, and wait for Propolak to get his game going. So the pick is uh, Hubbard to start us off, but I think Propolak may be live. Yeah, dare I say I agree with Chris in that Hubbard's the pick. Propolak is the better DraftKings play. Um, dog or pass on DK for me. Joe. Yeah, so, um, you know, the narrative is that, um, you know, Propecia's last fight against Taleb, um, that loss um, perhaps doesn't look as good of a loss as you might think. However, you know, to your earlier point, Taleb is a bricked up 170 that, you know, could easily fight it at middleweight. And, uh, you know, Propecia was stepping up. So I certainly, I certainly see that, you know, as a decent loss. However, you know, take a look at Austin Hubbard. Um, elevation fight team, which is like, you know, probably in the running to win camp of the year. Um, I know they have that um, as a vote. Um, elevation fight team um, is coming off a loss to Davi Ramos, which is a, a little bit more palatable, and it was a decision loss. Um, you know, prior to that, what was interesting is his last two victories have come against opponents with a record of 23 and 4. Um, including um, an 11-0 guy in, in Moda who actually trains with Glover Teixeira. So he hasn't exactly been can-crushing, um, you know, but I like his camp. I like the positive trajectory. Um, Davi Ramos is a tough, tough, tough out for your first fight. He was a plus 370 underdog, and it did go to decision. So I like Hubbard here as well. Um, I'm not sure how much of this fight I'm going to have. Um, cause I, I can't get a sense of how it's going to score, um, on DraftKings. So I will give Hubbard the, the victory. Um, but I'd say be cautious in how you play this fight. Um, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't go overboard cause I have a sneaking suspicion. It's going to go to a decision and it's not going to score well. So Hubbard, Hubbard is the pick here. 
All right, moving on, moving out. We have Luis Smolka, 9,200, taking on Ryan McDonald at 7,000. Lying on this fight, Smolka minus 240, McDonald plus 220. Smolka in his second run in the UFC has been a bit of a head case, but he looks to grapple, press the action. Are you, is Smolka going to lay an egg or is he going to get the job done here against Ryan McDonald? Joe, break it down. I think this is a really good fight for Smolka. Um, and and let's be real here. Uh, you look at the price and you're like, shit, Smolka, I got to pay, what, 9.2K for Smolka. However, if you look at his wins, he has been an extremely DraftKings friendly fighter. He scored plus 160 um, in one of his wins, his win against Ben 10 Gwynn. Um, and he even scored over 100 points, I believe, in a loss to Tim Elliott, which was the stack of the year, um, you know, in, I believe, 2016. So I think this is a better matchup for, uh, you know, for Louis Smoka. He, he's going to get a lot of takedowns. He's going to get um, a lot of grappling points. So I think you can feel relatively confident um, in, in paying up for Smoka. He's got a real distinct advantage in, in grappling. Um, so I do see a lot of scrambles. Um, I, McDonald doesn't look like any great guns to me. Maybe Chris has a different opinion, but um, the pick here is Smoka. And I think based on his, his win history, um, he could be a very DraftKings friendly fighter. He is. Someone in chat was saying he's going to be very popular. I disagree because quite frankly, he just said he's 100% of him he just typed. He's only going to have him in one lineup. Like he's only playing single entry. Yeah. Well, then this is a good move then because he yeah. is, he will be the least owned of the 9,000 price fighters. Gaethje will be more popular. Pereira will be more popular. Carlos Jr. will be more popular. And Smoke with the grappling upside should he win has a very sneaky high ceiling, somehow sneaky, because yeah. people gravitate towards those sexy names. The problem is, can you really trust this guy? Chris, can we trust him? Well, so this should be, I think, at least a closer fight for McDonald because he's a guy who wants to wrestle and grapple as well. I mean, obviously we saw he was um, totally outgunned on the feet against Chris Gutierrez in his debut. I, I'm i not sure. I mean, he, he's, got, he's got a pretty good top game. Pretty good top pressure. I think he's a little slow on the ground. I don't think he will be able to out-scramble Louis Smoka. But Louis Smoka, we we know what his MO is. He'll put himself in bad spots just with the hope that, you know, he can get a better position. He will uh, not pay much regard to sub-attempts and, and let them be wrapped. We saw that just recently in, in that uh, match no fight where he missed the triangle, went right back to it, and got it. So... Um, and, and McDonald's a long, a long fighter, a long grappler, and, uh, and that can help with these sorts of things. I think that I will be leaning towards Smoka, and I agree that he's a high upside player. There's going to be a lot of wrestling, a lot of takedowns, a lot of grappling here, or at least there should be. Watch, now, now it's a total stand-up fight now that I said that, but um, it should be. That's at least the expectation. I think for as long as it is on the feet, um, Smoka could have a little bit of an issue with the range, but I, I don't really expect that to be a concern because it's not like you can knock Louis Smoke out anyway. I don't think that's ever happened. And uh, he's taken some big shots. Um, I, I would venture to say a lot bigger than a guy like McDonald can deliver, at least on a regular basis. So I expect this to be grapple heavy, which probably means you should have both sides of it, quite frankly, especially since, um, uh, especially considering how, 
how um, not only cheap, but how many people won't be on uh, McDonald. But I do expect, I mean, when I say both sides, I, I would say like a 70, 30, 80, 20 smoker split. But I do think you should have exposure to both is what I, is what I should say. But I'm giving it to Smoke. I think he'll be able to outscramble McDonald. Uh, he's obviously the more seasoned guy, and uh, I'm betting on him to come through here. Yeah. Hey, Sean, before you set up the next fight, um, I, I think we we had a major faux pas in, um, you know, and we have to apologize to our, our our millions of listeners that we did not start this pod out with a moment of silence for the patron saint of rock uncool who just passed away. And I'm talking about no one else than Eddie money. Eddie money. Yes. Just passed away. Um, referred to as by Rolling Stone as the patron saint of rock uncool. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, Eddie money, former New York city police officer turned rock and roll star moment of silence. Go ahead. Go set up the next fight. I'm just going to move on. Cause I really, I thought you were going to start with, I thought you were going to, do something September 11th and just no nope. me that took me way out of headspace and nope. a moment of silence but we need to have fun moment of silence let's, for any money let's, let's let's talk some fights but yeah. moment of silence has passed um and let's move on to Jordan Griffin 8700 taking on Chaz Skelly at 7500 line in this fight Griffin minus 150 Skelly plus 140 Griffin a bit of a buzzsaw Skelly though sneaky grappler was sub last time out but that was against Bobby Moffitt who is a submission grappling specialist for me this is one of the upsets I'm picking on this card razor close fight but I like the experience of Chaz Skelly and it's a fight regardless this fight has a sneaky high inside the distance prop I expect this to go to a decision Vegas does not so take that for what you will Regardless, I like Chaz Skelly in this one to pull the upset, though not a ton of exposure because there are better fights in this card to target, in my opinion. Chris. Yeah. Um, first of all, let me say that Moffat submission is, was not an actual submission, but uh, that's also true. Um, I think, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to pick Skelly because, he, you know, he swings his hand like a rusty gate. He, um, he's a very awkward uh, mechanical striker. Having said that, though, if I, like, if I thought that, that Jordan Griffin would actually try to keep his distance and get his striking going, he's a much more fast, more athletic guy, um, the crisper striker, of course. If I thought he would try to keep his striking for 15 minutes, I would pick him, but I don't. I think that he thinks, because he's actually, he's got a lot of submissions on his record. So I think that he thinks that he's a submission grappler or that he will be going forward. We saw how much he tried to initiate grappling exchanges with uh, Danny Gay. He won a couple of them, to be fair, but for the most part, uh, Danny Gay uh, won uh, won the day there. And um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna not be able to help himself. And I think he's gonna try to enter into the scramble with Skelly here. And when he does, I think Skelly's gonna beat him there uh, very, <laughs> very handily, guys. <laughs> They're starting the R.I.P. Joe Rogans in the chat, but that's um, if if you watch any uh, live chat uh, MMA stuff, you'll see a lot of that and Brian Callen and all, and all of that. But so so I'm glad it's migrated here. I, I hope we don't get too much of it, but I figured I'd have to mention it anyway. Um, so yeah, if I thought that uh, Griffin could stay at range and snipe, I would pick him, but instead I'm going for a not confident uh, Skelly pick based on the fact that he's going to get the fights he the fight he wants, 
And I will agree with Vegas and say that it ends in a sub. So I'm going Chaz Skelly by submission. Joe. Joe. Yeah. So. Oh wow, I'm echoing. You, you still you you hear that? Okay. Sounds like I'm still echoing. Okay, so um, I I'm a bit more confident than Chris and Chaz Skelly here. Um, Jordan Griffin, um, native psycho of Rufus Sport, uh, was part of that disastrous um, Milwaukee card where I don't think a Rufus Sport fighter, you know, won a fight in the in on the Milwaukee slate, um, and he lost to Dan Ige rather convincingly. Um, I, I think you know people might be sleeping a bit on Skelly. I, I see this as maybe a pick'em fight, um, you know. And Chaz Skelly, this is probably his lowest. DraftKings price or salary since his initial fight against Bechtick. Um, you know, his first fight against Bechtick. So um, I think at this price point, um, he could be a slate breaker in a win. Uh, and now, like, my, you know, my favorite dog is no longer on the card. Um, I'm so, so absolutely furious about yeah, that. I mean, uh, By you the know, way, the, the, cash, the cash build went from super simple and straightforward and easy to a freaking disaster. Uh, I, because went, I, went, I, went, I went from a slate where I was going to be heavy in cash to a slate where I'm likely going to play no cash because, um, and, and the other thing too, just my, my luck is all the lineups I made after salaries dropped all had Andrew Sanchez in them. So <laughs> anyway, so any, I'm, I haven't even had the, I haven't even had the desire to go correct them yet. Um, but in any case, I, I, I like Skelly here. Look, I, I don't think he's, you know, um, it's not a highly confident pick, but I, I think I have a bit more confidence than than perhaps Chris does. Um, I think he's got the experience. He's got the octagon time. Um, and I am not letting the fact that he's a cool dude um, who actually gambles on fights bias me in any way. He's He's got a really nice active social media presence. You know, he's guested on, on best fight picks. Um, he's just an all-around very co- cool dude. That aside, I think this is where he writes the ship. He's got to have his back up against the wall coming off of two losses. I don't think he wants to get a third against a Jordan Griffin. So I kind of like Skelly here to pull the upset. All right, let's move on to Brad Katona, 8,900, taking on Hunter Azur at 7,300. Katona, minus 150. The comeback on Azur is plus 140. Look, this is a fight that should go to decision. It's in that range I kind of hinted at earlier. I think Azor, I think it's on DK, dog or pass. Uh, Joe, break it down. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of those, you know, SBG fade guys. Um, you know, the Ireland camp made famous by um, Connor McNuggets. Um, you know, I, he wasn't, it wasn't a great fight against Dishvali. Um you know, that Brad Katona had, I think he might be a bit overrated. Um, going to decision against Matthew Lopez, um, you know, who I don't believe is in, even in the UFC any longer. Um, Hunter Azure, it says MMA Lab uh, as his camp, but I believe he was one of the guys that um, followed the striking coach to fight ready. So at least he's going to be well prepared um, for this, pi- this fight. Um, I'm kind of with you. I don't have a super strong take on this fight, but I, I also see it as sort of a dog or pass, especially considering um, Katona's salary. Um, I'm going to be, I don't know what weight is going to be, but I will likely be underweight to that, whatever that number is. So I'm with you. I'll go out on a, well, 
still think Katona will probably win, but Hunter Azor is probably the better DraftKings play. Chris? Oh, that was a that was yeah, pretty that abrupt. Was, that was an abrupt yeah. stop. I didn't yeah, know what we were doing here. I wasn't sure. But um yeah, this is tough. This is was a tough uh call for me kind of. I like Brad Katona a lot, but um we just Even saw him, like him to win. He's crap for DraftKings. Well, well, what I was going to say is we just saw him get, basically get taken down at will by uh, Davalishvili there. Um, I think Azure can do much the same thing. I, I like Azure. He has like a um, like a like a like a Tyson vibe sort of. He's a big. He's like a stocky guy who gets inside and throws big shots and uh, otherwise tries to get takedowns. He's Tyson if Tyson never did MMA. And, was and by the way, Chris, the first new car I ever owned, had the, the, color, the color was Azure Blue. Ah, so, see, I, see I, I, knew, I knew that name sounded familiar. That's what it is. It's a color? Azure? I think so. I think yeah, so. Okay. Azure Blue. That, that sounded familiar to me somehow. But, uh, but yeah, no, no, now I like, you know. I like you know, his and knowing uh, is half the battle, guys. That's yeah, right. Yeah, true. But no, I, I like his skill set fundamentally. Um, Katona's good at, at um, staying on the outside, bouncing around, but um, he gave up a lot of uh, reactive takedowns in that fight, which is something I think Azure can do. Obviously, he could use his, his the jujitsu off his back, um, maybe uh, in in a fight against Azure. We we don't know how Azure is, uh, how he is defending off his back or. But um, I, I just I just can't really pick a Tony here, knowing what I know about uh, that the Vesvalis really fight and how easy those takedowns came. So I am going Azure here. Nice. All right. Moving on, we have Miles Johns, eighty six hundred, taking on Cole Smith at seventy six hundred. Miles John, the favorite in a line that has closed a little bit, minus one thirty. Come back on Cole Smith, plus one twenty. Uh, Miles Johns, way better athlete. Is green is the issue here? Can he keep his composure on the road um, in his UFC debut? I just think he's the better fighter. It's a matter of can he hold it together based on those things. I'm not impressed with Cole Smith. Give me Miles John in this one. Uh, Chris, start us off. Yeah, Miles John, kind of a, kind of a weird fighter. He's he's a he's a wrestler grappler who. Basically, just uh, tries to kick and keep distance on the feet. Now that can be interesting here because Miles Johns is like a short, stocky guy. So if um, if if Cole Smith can use that uh, kicks and keep the distance, um, it'll be interesting to see. And the other thing we have to see is my is uh, Miles Johns got kind of tired in that uh, in that contender series fight. So let's say um, uh, let's say Cole Smith uses some of those uh, teeth kicks. Uh, get some of his own offensive wrestling going. Even if he doesn't outright win every exchange, um, can he attrit the gas tank and, and and wear a guy a guy like uh, Miles Johns down? Miles John, Johns actually pretty similar to Azor in what I in uh, he likes to throw bombs and uh, uses wrestling. Although I would say he's a, he's a little bit like I, I saw people at the time comparing him to uh, Tay Edwards. I don't like that comparison because one. Uh, Miles Johns actually uses his wrestling in the cage, uh, other uh, times other than he's forced to. And two, he can throw a, a little one-two, a little jab. He's not just big winging shots, although he does that as well. Um, I think Cole Smith has more path than uh, than uh, uh, what's your name? Than Sean does. There you go. 
but um, I do think that this but is... I, 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 I got to say that his most likely path is through cage grinding that scores like crap for DraftKings. Could be, but um, like I said, he's also a wrestler too. And um, if he if he gets him tired enough, a second round, third round, he could be looking at a late KO. You know, when 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 these guys get tested, and uh, and they, and they, and that another thing to mention too is they did a lot of wrestling in that uh, in that Gagnon fight. Uh, Cole Smith did. He didn't seem very tired to me at all in that fight. So we got a guy whose gas tank seems pretty good against the gas tank. Uh, from a guy we know, or at least we can reasonably say, is not that good. So that's something to be considered here. But uh, all in all, I'll take Miles Johns. I do like his skill set, but uh, don't totally fade Cole Smith because I think I think he's uh, he's live to steal this one late. Joe, yeah. So Miles John packs on a lot of muscle, you know, for a bantamweight for a one thirty five or in his five seven frame, and he actually gives up four inches in height to Cole Smith, but oddly enough has a one inch reach advantage. So I am going to change the Coltrane's nickname to Pterodactyl arms, um, you know, at a, at a four inch height, but, but loses an inch in reach. Um, Artem Lobov. Yeah. Artem Lobov, right? Yeah. 65 inch reach. Um, look, I, I could see getting tired packing on that much muscle at only five, seven and only weighing one thirty-five. Um, this is a tough one. I mean, Cole Smith is the local guy, right? He's undefeated at 7-0. and um, You know, uh, Miles Johns, I believe, was the uh, LFA Bantamweight champion, which he won by split decision. So I'm guessing, although I would be happy to be proven wrong if this is inaccurate, just based on the regional scene where these two have fought, I would give a leg up to... Miles John. Also, um, I heard um, from our friends at at Dog or Dog or Pass um, that Miles John actually asked for this fight. Like initially, he wanted to fight Gagnon, and when Cole Smith, um, aka Pterodactyl Arms, um, you know, beat Gagnon, he said, "Give me Cole Smith." So I believe he asked for this fight. Is my guess, um, or maybe it's the other way around? No, yeah, that's the way it was. Yeah, Cole Smith is the one who fought Danielle. So I don't know what to do with this fight. I don't have a really strong feel for it. I certainly see um, both Sean's and Chris's point. Um, I'm going to go here with the better camp. And if if Team Elevation is in the running for camp of the year, um, you know, Fortis MMA is definitely going to be, you know, runner up or, or on the same list. So he's getting really good training. Miles Johns is, um, you know, he's a bricked up five, seven fighter with a one inch reach advantage and four inch height disadvantage. So I will pick Miles Johns, but I don't necessarily think this is a great fight to target on DK unless you really have a solid feel. Um, and Cole Smith is probably the better DraftKings play. So I'll pick, uh, I'll pick Miles John to win the fight. Um, but Cole Smith is probably the better DraftKings play. Marcin Tybora, 8,400, taking on Augusto Sakai at 7,800. Tybora. Oh, this line is flipped. Thought it was still pick him. The line is flipped. Sakai, now the favorite, at minus 110. Tybora, plus 100. Tybora missed weight today. 
No, he didn't, he didn't miss weight. Oh, he didn't miss weight. He came in heavy. Sorry, he's a heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah. He came in 10 pounds heavier than he usually weighs. Uh, we had one missed weight on this card. It was the most expensive fighter, uh, Pereira, who we will get to later. Uh, so Tabora came in heavy. Sakai getting a lot of love. Look, I'm just not there, guys. This fight for heavyweight fight is projected to go to decision. Augusto Sakai is, um, look, his UFC tenure includes a win over Chase Sherman. Joe can just talk about how horrendous Chase Sherman is. And Andre Arlovsky, who was robbed. Robbed, robbed, robbed. And by the way, Sakai scored 51 points in that fight. So while there's line value here, God, it's, it's, he could win and just not score anything. The issue here is Marcin Tybora is one and three in his last four, but he's losing to Fabricio Verdum, Derek Lewis, Shamil Abdurakimov. You know, he beat Stefan Struve. He beat Arlovsky. Like, he's faced better competition. The issue is, is, is he declining? Maybe. Ultimately, though, I think Tybor is a better striker. I think he's he's got the path to victory through grappling. Everyone's just fading this, you know, Tybor's chin and him declining, which is valid, I guess, but I'm just not quite there yet. It's heavyweight, guys, and I don't think Sakai is that good. So I guess now I'm taking the more expensive fighter for the upset. Give me Marcin Tybora. And I'm gonna go against the field here. People are gonna play are gonna place a guy. I'm gonna go underweight and hopefully he turns into the regional prospect. I think he is, and there's a lot of dead lineups out there. Uh who's starting this one? I think Mary. it's Chris. Is it Chris or no, Joe. Yeah. Joe. Okay, so no problem. So Marcin Tybora, Polish fighter, um, you know, probably just had a had a little bit too much kibasi and pierogies um and goumkis um through training. In all, in all seriousness, though, that actually concerned his the weight being over concerns me because one of the narratives out there is with this losing streak, he's not getting towards a title. Is he done with MMA? And now you're going to come in potentially a little more out of shape? Yeah, hmm. I mean, okay, I get that. However, I am with you where I don't necessarily buy into the line value here. Um, I thought I thought that uh, Arlovsky won the last fight against um, – Everyone you know, did against Sakai. Um, look, it, it the narrative here is the last the loss to Abra to Abrakamov is not a good luck. Um, you know, getting KO'd by him, it's not a good luck, especially after coming off a win against you know Stefan Struve and look going into deep waters with both Lewis and Verdum. Um, if that fighter shows up. Um, you know, the guy who was, you know, one and two going into his fight with that Brahman Havnov, um, then he should really beat Sakai quite easily here. Um, and in his wins, he's actually scored pretty decently. Um, you know, I mean, he scored 69 points in a loss to Verdum, you know, as at, at 6.9 K, um, you know, he 85 points against Drew, but 9K is not great. But he's put up some okay scores. Um, you know, he's not a finisher, typically. Um, so it's, you know, in all likelihood, it could go to decision. And, um, you know, Sakai is not a small fighter either. Um, I'm not sure what he weighed in at today, but, you know, he typically pushes 260, 258, um, you know, when he fights. So he starts to get tired as the fight goes later as well. Uh, and I think Tabora might have a wrestling advantage, you know, in this fight. So 
I'm going to go ahead and pick Tybor. I'm going to go against the line value, which I know is dangerous, but um, give me Tybor here. Yeah, we're getting some 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 talk and chat about Joe's pronunciation of Shamil Abdurakimov. And I don't yeah. want to hear from you, Chris. I destroy names on this podcast until we get to the Spanish names. Then yeah. um, in a whole well, I, I, hope Chad, I hope Chad realizes that at least 70% of the time I mispronounce the names on purpose. Well, um, well, the first one you did was too obvious. I didn't like that one, but that, but I'll do rock them up. McNuggets or Propecia? No, Propecia, yeah. Okay. okay. Why? It's, I mean, are you just sensitive to Propecia for some reason? Well, right? no, no, no. Well, is that is that why your hair yeah. the way it is? But uh, I just think, you know, it should be believable that he's mispronouncing. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. By the way, I want another cut up, with a, a, like an after show cut up of, of all the names he says. That was one of my favorite things. That was I've awesome. Seen that? I, I love that. That was, uh, yeah, we're, we're, I'm going to work on, we're going to do something. You know, we're going to work on a project together, me and him. Um, it's going to, you know, we haven't decided yet what, when, or where, but we're going we're gonna to work on something. I like it. All right. Project. Chris, what do you got? Yeah, I, um, I'm not a big fan of Sakai either. Um, Make it a reverse line value sweep. Do it. I, well, I was gonna say I, I know I know I know why Joe isn't because uh, his boy lost a round to Chase Sherman and, and that's like an unpardonable sin. It is in, in Joe's uh, universe, so I, I totally get it. But um, I'm still picking Sakai, and here's the reason: it's because um, uh, Tiberius struggles when you can make fights dirty and. Um, really pressure him in, uh, sort of like what Abdurakhimov did, which eventually led to a knockout. And Sakai's going to do that. Like, he's not technical at all. Um, he, he basically just wings shots, but he, he also can can rough you up in the clinch. He likes doing that. And I think that, um, you know, I think that he's just going to pressure Tybura back and really control the fight. Like, Tybura looked lost in that fight when Abdurakhimov started pressuring him. Um, it really was... Uh, something to behold. And Abdurakhimov's a guy who doesn't get a lot of knockouts. Sakai is a guy who was a knockout artist uh, on the regional scene. We haven't seen it yet uh, here. Well, he did finish Chase Sherman, but that was there was ground involved and, and, and things like that. And I do agree that uh, Taibura will probably have the wrestling advantage. I don't know. I don't know um, how much he'll use it here. I, that remains to be seen. But I think if this stays on the feet, I like Sakai to sort of um, pressure him back, rough uh, Taibura up, make it dirty, and um, maybe get a late finish as Taibura gets tired in the same way Abdurakhimov did. So uh, uh, wrestling dependent, maybe, depending, again, on how Sakai's takedown defense holds up. But uh, give me Sakai to win the fight. All right, moving on. We have, I think, it's got to be one of the best GPP – Okay, I think, because I've seen some disagreement here. One of the best GPP fights on the card, Jimmy the Brute Crute at 8,200, taking on Misha Serkinov at 8,000. There was talk in chat about this fight earlier. Someone, I can't remember who it was, is picking Serkinov. Uh, I should get to the line first before I do this. The line for this one, by the way, Jimmy Crute, it's pick him, by the way, minus 105 apiece, minus 110, depends where you are. Straight pick him. Mid-range fight makes sense. Look, um... Misha Serkinov can win this fight if he can stay conscious for it. And I don't think he can. There's, I, I mean, come on. He's had five straight fights, end in the first round, 
In three of them, he was knocked out. Johnny Walker, Glover Teixeira knocked him out. Volkan Ozdemir knocked him out with a rabbit punch, basically. Um, and Jimmy Crute, young guy, explosive athlete, getting bigger. He is going to be enormous, I think, come come tomorrow. Um, knocked out Sam Alvey. Did have a submission win against Paul Craig, but he was controlled for part of that. But I think he's got enough grappling to not get subbed by Misha Serkinov. I do think that's the case. And even if Serkinov gets him down in the first round, I'm not so sure he's going to tear through him and get a quick sub. Um, I just I think Crute's ground game is good enough to, to survive that. And in the second round, he'll knock him out. I just don't trust Misha Serkinov's chin. I think it's gone. I think Crute's the better striker. He'll be moving forward. He'll be aggressive. I like Jimmy Crute, one of the better GPP plays on the card. And because of how the freaking screwy this fight, this card is, I'm considering Jimmy Crute in cash. That's how confident I am that Misha Serkinov's chin is just toasted. Chris. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident in Jimmy Crute too, but since I can't just agree oh, with God you all damn it. without being <laughs> contrarian, hold on, you'll, you'll enjoy this. I have to throw this in that I think um, – not only does he have an edge on the feet, I think I suspect he may be the better grappler as well. Um, talk about uh, subbing Paul Craig. That's no joke. It's not like it's it's not like um, Paul Craig is is a walkover. We think of him as maybe not a great fighter, and so everyone we, loves to hate on him. Everybody, we, right? So we we downplay his skills on the ground, but uh, he is a black belt, I believe, and um, a very strong grappler. So. For Crew to not only survive there, but sub Paul Craig, I think is very impressive. And I also think that Misha Serkinov struggles against uh, grapplers who are stronger than he is. I mean, we talk about the, the first round, uh, if you want to use the word fluky KOs that he's been uh, he's been um, a party to of late. But what about, you know, the Glover to Sheriff fight where he was winning on the feet, got taken down, and, and then lost the fight almost immediately. So um, I think that um, Crew maybe the better grappler I'm going to bank on that. But even if he's not, I do think he's a better striker. I think that, uh, Serkinov plods a little bit too much for me. And it's not that it's not that Jim Crute is a huge, huge mover in the cage, but I think he's better at keeping distance than a guy like Serkinov. Actually, uh, I also think he's a better counter puncher and a sharper counter puncher. We saw him land uh, the nightmare shot against Sam Alvey there. And um, so, yeah, I think he's got a lot of advantage coming in here. And I think, um, you know, it could be a quick night either way. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm betting on uh, Jimmy Crute to get that stoppage. I got to go to chat real quick. Uh, shout out to Tyler, Tyler Lee with my favorite comment of the episode so far. We all want to see Crute versus Misha Tate, which <laughs> is a whole different kind of video. And um, yeah, yes. Misha Tate has those pictures out there. So, yep. I mean. What Why pictures? Not? Misha Tate was um really you don't know this? No, we, we really might want to go offline for this. But Misha Tate okay. was part of was part of that big uh, celebrity hack where there were a bunch of nudes floating around. Oh, got it. Yeah. So okay. you can see some. You can see all of Misha Tate in your free time, Joe. Awesome. Okay. But before that, give us Circanoff versus Crew. So I'm not going to give any hardcore analysis. Um, all as I'm going to say is, in the words of the notorious B.I.G. Gimme crude, gimme crude, gimme crude against Circuit City. Crude all the way, baby. God, we're all on crude. I'm really, I'm just, I'm getting nervous. All right, here we go. 
Anyway, moving on, we have Antonio Carlos Jr., 9,100. Just going to call him Shoeface. Taking on Uriah Hall at 7,100. Line in this fight, Shoeface, minus 245. Come back on Hall, plus 225. I have to say before we do this, and I'm putting this out everywhere, I am a really big Antonio Carlos Jr. fan. I watched the whole season at Tough. Like the guy, he's a middleweight. He's fought at heavyweight. Heavy hands, world-class BJJ. Right up my alley. There has been we, – we know his kryptonite now, unfortunately. I was pegging this guy as a future champ. He's got a hole to close, uh, and that is against top-pressure grapplers. That's you know what, what Ian Heinish did to him. That's why he lost that fight. Um, the Dan Kelly fight, if people want to throw that back at me, let's move past it because Antonio Carlos Jr. lost that fight because he beat the snot out of Dan Kelly for 10 minutes, tired himself out, and Kelly got a finish. And Patrick Cummins did the same thing, the top-pressure grappling. Those are his losses. Uriah Hall, obviously not going to do that. Crazy power, live to a knockout. But whoever's wanted to take take down Uriah Hall has. You know, Christoph Jaco did it. You go to the ground with ACJ, it's game over. So give me Antonio Carlos Jr. I think he gets this one done. Uriah Hall is live to that, you know, flash knockout. Who does? He was losing to Bevan Lewis last time out. Uriah Hall is losing every second of a fight until he knocks you out. So for me to say that can't happen here would be silly, but Carlos Jr. is the pick. Joe. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just like frustrated that we have to keep this show PG thirteen because after talking about Misha Tate's nude, you, 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 just, you just said I got a hole to fill. Um so I I you know this is this is actually but, way by the too way, good to pass up on. Chat chat is pretty surprised that you had no idea about I, that. I know, but I mean they and, should even be more surprised that you followed up Misha Tate nudes with a hole to fill. Um and, and then people are talking about like it's spiraled in chat. We're talking I about Jessamine yeah. Duke and I love you guys. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um yeah, I look uh, Uriah Hall has got a puncher's chance. Um you know, I, I actually mistakenly thought he was younger than he actually was, is. You know, he's 35, trains at Tiger Shulman, um, Arce, uh, some good strikers, actually. You know, Arce, striking Jim, camp. Jimmy Rivera. Um, yeah, good striking camp, um, Tiger Shulman's. Um, but, you know, my only concern about Shoeface's cardio, um, you know, he has shown the ability that if he cannot get that early finish, um, to get frustrated and burn himself out. He is a fairly muscular fighter, um, you know, uh, and, you know, I could certainly see him moving up a weight class at some point. Um, and we did see what happened when he gassed out of, against guys like Dan Kelly. So that is my one concern here. I do think Uriah Hall has got a puncher's chance. I mean, he is the ultimate puncher's chance type of fighter. Go go watch his first fight against Gegard Masasi. Um, with that spinning kick that just floored Musasi, um, flash knockout. Um, so I would say, yeah, I, I like Shoeface here. Um, may not be my favorite play in the upper tier, you know, simply because, um, you know, I, I need him to get the finish. I don't think he's going to score well in a decision. Um, but in any case, give me uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. Chris. Okay. I am. Um... Well, I'm going to leave this out here for a second because I have to make a pretty shocking correction, uh, Sean. You said that once ACJ gets you down, it's over. Well, in his last fight, that wasn't the case, and that's why he lost the fight. So 
uh, we against, need to... better, against well, but, I, but I'm just saying a stronger grappler than than Uriah Hall. And uh, as I, was, I said, I, the 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 wrestlers wrestlers he he seems to struggle with. I I would agree, but I just couldn't pass up that opportunity. Okay, now I'm I'm back. Um, You're gonna go ahead and, and, and pick Uriah Hall now. I'm not. I you know I love Uriah Hall. He's a good guy, and he's got incredible power for this division. Coming off back to back one punch absolute killers, um, I he, I just I love him so much, and with the spinning stuff and the whole thing. But the problem is he's just such a slow starter. We've seen it in so many of his fights, um, and that he, he really just can't get going until he gets hurt. It seems like, and um, we've seen him also get uh, not only taken down but trapped on the ground. Um, that second gay guard Musasi fight. As soon as he got taken down, it was almost just like the fight was over. Um, and Gegard, of course, not the grappler that, that uh, Shoe Face is. So there is um, there is concern here that that um, uh, that um, oh my God, what's his name? Who's fighting Anthony Carlos Jr.? Uriah. Uriah. Thank you so much. There is concern that Uriah could survive and and then land the shot, but um, I don't I don't. Like, I hate to compare this because the two fighters aren't at all similar and Uriah Hall's way better. But if I just have to compare um, two recent Carlos Jr. fights, I think this looks more like the Jack Marshman fight than it does the Ian Heinish fight, um, which pains me to say. But because for that reason, I am, uh, I'm going to take shoe face here. I actually think he gets this done with a sub pretty quickly. All right, moving on, we have... Michelle, Michelle Pereira at 9,500, taking on Tristan Connolly at 6,700. Biggest line discrepancy on the card. Pereira minus 535. Connolly plus 420. Pereira, the wild man, did miss weight today. Um, look, short notice replacement for Connolly. Um, down a weight class. Like, he should get killed here. But Pereira's a, a freaking crazy dude. The problem is he's explosive. He's minus 535. Got to play him. Should get a quick finish. Uh, Chris. So I am going to um, put out the big put out the big yield sign here on uh, Pereira. Um, No, 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 no. wait, wait, we're not, we're not letting you half-ass this. Uh, No, 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 I'm going to build up to it. Just hang on. Oh, who missed weight? Who missed weight? I'm sorry, Pereira did. Pereira, okay. Okay. Um, Still on twenty percent. Ryan Barton says Chris takes Conley, or we riot. Well, you just uh. Let me let me work up to it here. Now, um, the first thing I, I want to mention is that is that Pereira has nine losses, and for a guy who's never been in Bellator, never been in um, in uh, any other real credible organization, I, nine losses is a lot to have on a regional scene. Um, the reason he's got nine losses, or one of the reasons, uh, one of his one of his most recent knockout loss. Look, uh, Pereira suffers from a lot of this the same. Deficiencies as a guy like um, I don't remember anyone's name today. Uh, who knocked out uh, Korean Zombie at the last second? Yair Rodriguez. Yeah, he has a lot of deficiencies as as a guy like uh, Yair Rodriguez does. He's a lot of big move, a lot of big explosive movements, a lot of fun kind of things. But if you can if you can pressure him and and trap him against the the fence. You can limit that movement and give him nowhere to go, and that's exactly what the last opponent who knocked him out did. Got 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 a clean KO um, against the fence, and um, 
I think that Conley can do something like that here. I know that his game plan is going to beat a pressure from the, the footage I've seen of him. That's what he likes to do, and that's what you have to do. You cannot allow Pear to get any space at all, or he's just going to kill you. So I think that he's going to come in with the right game plan. Um, you know, Pear is, is basically a, a single power striker. Um, when he gets you hurt, he can he can come in with combinations, but he's basically the single striker. He, he can throw it down the middle good. Um, but, you know, it's just, look, even if you weren't picking Conley, from a game theory perspective, you have a, a, a nine-loss fighter with obvious deficiencies who's going to be a huge um, public darling at 9,500. I mean, just from a game theory perspective, you got to have some Conley in that spot, don't you? I mean, and so that's what I'll say. I think that obviously Pierre can knock him out. I think if you're overlooking Conley, you're you're you kind of uh, we use this term a lot on this show, but having a little bit of recency bias. I mean, this guy Pierre is not indestructible. A guy like Danny Roberts, we've seen him knocked out by a lot of guys. A lot of guys that you need space so that they can knock you out, such as Nordin Taleb, who did a similar thing to him, not in that fashion, but um, you know. Same kind of fighter who needs his space. Um, so, yeah, that's my little spiel here. If Connolly sticks to a game plan and can pressure him along the fence and take away his movement, he can win this fight. Sure he can. If not, um, Pear is going to get another one of his spectacular knockouts. Either way, it's going to be fun to see, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Joe, just – yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so – Look, I, 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 I hate to say this. I actually agree with some of Chris's points here. Oh, my about, God. About Pereira. I mean, you know, nine losses for a guy who fought in the Serbian battle scene um, is quite a lot. Two of those losses, believe it or not, are actually to his brother. Um, is that true? Know, uh, look at bananas. Look, look it up on Tapology. Um, his brother, Ruben Elton Pereira, um, he lost twice to him consecutively. Um, so, you know, who knows what was going on there? A little home cooking, perhaps. Um, you know, Conley on the... Was the mom judging the fight? Or? I don't know. Um, it was yeah. in the battle promotion. Um, Conley, on the other hand, is riding a 8-1 and one, um, win streak. Um, his lone loss coming to Shaolin Shane, um, former UFC fighter. Um, you know, decent UFC fighter, also Canadian. Um, short. I believe Conley took this fight on short notice, right? Yes. Four days yeah. it was. Yeah, four days notice, and he makes weight, which is kind of embarrassing um, for well, Pereira. He's, he's, he's up a weight class. Yeah, I guess that's true, too. He's going up a weight class. Look, I I agree that the recency bias and the 9.5K price tag make Pereira a very, very risky DraftKings play. I mean, you know, I think, you know, GPP, I, I don't know how comfortable I would be using – um, Pereira and Cash, even were I to play Cash this week, which is, you know, that's pretty much out the window unless, unless I, I come to a realization that, you know, I can I can do a few Cash lineups based on the fighter pool. Um, so I would say recency bias, I would be very cautious on, on how much I play Pereira. I do not think he is a free square by any means. And at 9.5K, I'm sorry, at 9.5K, you have to be a free square. Right, I don't see him as a free square, so I will agree with Chris there. I do think you should have some shares of of Conley and GPP, um, you know, and and be very careful 
you know, what your own manage your ownership of Pereira. Now, of course, he could go out and and smoke this guy in the first round. I don't personally think it's going to happen. Um, I think everybody wants it to happen. And that performance against Hot Chocolate was was really cool. And I think he got a bonus out of that as well. Um, but be very careful. I will pick Pereira for the win. But I would advise caution because if he does not get a first round finish, he is not going to earn salary at 9.5K. Yeah, I, I think he's a free square, but okay. I, I don't. What, 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 I mean, against short notice, look, I will looking to fade Pereira in the future, just not here. But one man's opinion. Yeah, that's all right. Move it. Oh, I, hang on, guys. Got to give me one second. What happened? My DraftKings window just crashed. I'm right there. So, um, what are you guys doing to, to watch the fight on Saturday? <laughs> it's a, uh, you want you want to pro, wanna, pro yeah. folks, no dead air. This you want no dead air. Right up. So this is. I got this it. Is, I'm, I'm back. I'm you back. got it. Good. Okay. This, you know what? <laughs> I think my computer might have known this fight was next and ah. just said, "F it, we're done. Show's over. Moving on." Yeah, okay. <laughs> we have Jeff Hughes at 8,300 taking on Todd Duffy at 7,900. Line on this fight. I don't know how the hell you would line this fight, but they've come up yeah, with really. Hughes as minus 120, Duffy at plus 110. I like the plus money on, on on Todd Duffy here. It's hard because he has not fought in four years, but great GPP fight because he has only once been out of the first round, and he has never gone to a decision in the UFC. The last time we saw him was four years ago where Frank Mir took his soul with a left hook. Um Jeff Hughes, on the other hand, you may know him as being the minus 500 favorite who lost to Maurice Green. So there's that. Uh, Duffy's going to press forward. Got four minutes of, of pace in him. I think he gets the finish. If he doesn't, he'll lose. I think it's more likely than not that Duffy wins here. He's only, well, he's been around forever and we haven't seen him in a while. He's only 33. That's prime heavyweight age. So um, give me Todd Duffy in this one and... Uh, Let's let's hope it's fun while it lasts because this fight is. I don't know how the hell you come up with this one, much less put it as the third to last fight on this card. Uh, Joe. Yeah, um, this is a GPP fight. Um, you know, you've got a bricked up, you know, Todd Duffy, um, Duffy going into this fight after taking off four years. Although I did see that he had a fight scheduled in two seventeen against uh, uh, Mark Badbeer. Um, that did not come to fruition for some reason. Oh, it was a canceled bout. Is this um, his first post USADA fight? Yes. Yeah, this is his first post USADA fight. That's interesting. Um, now, now again, you know, here's a guy that fought. You know, <laughs> I, love, I love chat post USADA against a competitive eater. Yeah, against a competitive eater. <laughs> Mark, Marco, so, thank you. You know, here's a guy who, in nine years ago, you know, in 2010, when he was. 24 years old, fought Alistair Overeem in K1. Um, now, now, yes, he was he got he got lit up in 19 seconds in the first round um, as a plus 375 um, underdog. But here he is nine years later at the tender age of 33, um, you know, uh, riding a uh, a three and one streak. Um, although that was sort of a bad KO loss to Frank Mir. Um, you know, finishing Big Train Hamilton, uh, Phil DeFries, and Neil Grove. Um, you know, and all, all victories in the first round and, and the loss came in the first round. So four, four fights, three wins and one loss, all first round finishes. 
Um, and apparently, if you listen to our good friends at Dogger Pass, um, you know, he has battled throughout his career anxiety, and he let that manifest the way that he actually fights, meaning he wants to get into the ring and get the fight over with as soon as possible, meaning either he he gets the KO or the other guy finishes him. Now, I don't know. I haven't seen any interviews. I don't know if James Lynch, um, you know, did an interview with Duffy. Um, I'm going to have to go check that out. I wonder if he addresses his anxiety and whether he's worked on that and has fixed it. Because if we look at that same type of fight, I mean, the play here is is, is probably the under if you're betting it, um, but or to not go the distance. But other than that, I mean, you definitely should have shares of this fight in GPPs um, because we're likely going to get a finish. It's lower level heavyweights um, and it's closely lined. I mean, I, I see this as a pick em fight. So I'm going to say that Duffy gets it done here. But if this fight doesn't end in the first round, I would probably shift the advantage to use. So if you have the ability um, to live bet, um, you know, I would I would think about maybe following this fight while it's going on. And then if Duffy doesn't, you know, finish using the first round, maybe maybe drop a little something on on using round two. But I'm going to pick Duffy to win here. Chris. So I'm a, I'm a little surprised that um, you're both going Duffy. Look, there's no, there's only one fighter in this matchup who moves his head. <laughs> and it ain't Duffy. Um, yeah, he moves his head to eat some tacos. Like, problem, <laughs> he moves yeah. his head to chew. <laughs> the problem is, um, aside from taco eating, I guess, the problem is that... Taco eating is never a problem. Todd Duffy, that is true. I'm going to make that into a t-shirt. Um, the problem is that Todd Duffy only does a, a couple of things. He throws a one-two, he pressures... And whoever knocks each knocks the other guy out, knocks the other guy out. Uh, use for I agree, he's not. A, he doesn't look like a great fighter. At least he's calm in there. You just talked about anxiety, and I didn't know that about him, but it shows obviously the way that he goes after his fight. Now, could he have worked on that? Could it be different? It could be. We have no way of knowing. So we have to operate. I think we have to operate based on the fact that he still does that because. I think it's, you know, facts that are not in evidence to go any other way. But um, Jeff Hughes is at least calm in there. He can slip shots. I mean, if you go back to the uh, Frank Mir fight, and I, I don't know, I don't know how much relevance this even has now, but um, the shot he got countered thrown was this really sloppy leaping left hook. Um, like I, I, you just can't pick somebody to win a fight who fights like. Todd Duffy. I mean, at least I can. I'm sorry. Um, could he knock him Tristan out? Sure. Huh? You can pick Tristan Connolly. Well, I, I I stopped short of giving a. I said he's game. He's GTO. If there are poker players among us, I say he is the game theory play. But um, getting back to this, I think that look, I, I would go further than Joe, who said that this is a, a GPP fight. I I would say if you're making ten, it's five and five. Uh, if you want to, if you're if you're like me and you like to use a little more, maybe you go eight and eight, uh, seven and three, eight and two, depending on where your confidence lies. But you got to have, I think, uh, one of these guys in in every lineup because I think this fight finishes. I've got to pick the guy who at least looks like he is composed in a fight and moves his head a little bit. 
and that is Jeff Hughes. So I'm picking him for this last pick. As much as I want to make a Taco Bell joke, I'm just going to move on to Nikita Krylov at 8,500, taking on Glover Teixeira at 7,700. Another great GPP fight. Minus 125 for Krylov. Come back on Glover plus 115. Give me Glover in this one uh, to pull the moderate upset. I don't think he's done yet, but the chin is definitely an issue. Both of his last two wins, he has been hurt badly. Come back, gets the finish. I think it's with Krylov. He can be taken down. He can be submitted. We've seen it before. GPP fight, but give me Glover to share. As I'm just not, I'm not totally sold on on Nikita Krylov. He, you know, best win of his career last time out against Ovens Saint Peru. I get it, but Peru, but Saint Peru is a little bit overrated and you know schizophrenic. Other than that, you know, lost to Jan Blahovic, lost to Misha Serkinov. His wins: Ed Herman, Frank Amar Bahoso, Marcos Rogerio de Lima, Ned Koff, Donovan. Like, yeah, Glover is a big step up. The issue is Glover's chin. That's why Krylov is live for sure. GPP. Love this fight. Oh, you know, it's saying the name Blahovic reminded me just to circle back real quick. Um, when we're talking about Tybor and his weight, because he's Polish, he needs to get on whatever the hell Blahovic has been on. Like yeah. those, those are the drugs that, that, that Tybor needs or supplements, excuse me. Supplements. Anyway, Krylov to Shara. Chris. Yeah. Um, hang on a minute here. Let me, uh, Get my close-up. Here we go. I think that um, this is maybe another myth that needs to go away, that uh, Glover Teixeira doesn't have a chin. Oh, you guys know, Come on. You got, well, you got, listen, you guys know how I feel about this. I, in, my, in my view, there's only a very few select guys who actually don't have a chin. The rest of it is overblown. That's the case here, I think. Um, look, can, if you look can, at can last, I just ask? I'm sorry. Can I just ask, does Misha Serkinov fall into that category? Um... You know, I don't know because all of his all of his one shot knockouts, he got hit pretty clean. Once he got hit behind the ear, you know, uh, Johnny Walker annihilated him. So it's tough to say. But um, just heading back here for a second, um, look, he took some really hard shots in that uh, Ian Kutalaba fight, and he was getting tagged up by Serkinov uh, before he turned that fight around and won it, and, um, and, and Roberson too, for that matter. Yes. Yeah. All three of those fights. Yep. Come to think of it. So um, I, I, I think it's um, a little bit hasty to say Glover doesn't have a chin. I also think that Krilov is is sort of like Sirkinov, only worse in the, in the sense that he loses to better grapplers. And uh, look, Glover Teixeira certainly is that. Could he knock Glover out? Sure. But I think Glover survives, as he's done so many times before, so many recent times before. I would agree. I don't think the pocket boxing of Teixeira is going to be that effective against uh, the length of, of a guy like Krilov, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think Glover gets him down. I think he subs him out. And uh, I think this is uh, easy work, if I'm being honest. So I'm going Glover to Teixeira. Joe. Nice. So I have a bit of a greasy theory about this fight. But first of all, um, you know, Krilov is 27 years old. Right, and he's fought 32 times. To put that in perspective, Glover Teixeira is 12 years older and only has four more fights than uh, Nikita. Um, my greasy theory is this: um, uh, Krylov is a unique pro-Russian Ukrainian, um, which is not very popular if you're from the Ukraine. Um, but also, I think his career started to go to shit 
when he changed his nickname from Al Capone to the Miner. So Nikita Al Capone Krylov is a much more badass name than Nikita the Miner Krylov. And I honestly think that name change has affected his career adversely. Okay, let's move on to the fight. silly. No, I, I really honestly believe that. So anyway, um, my concern is, is speed. Because I, I agree, you know, Teixeira was in trouble in each of his last few fights. Like, I mean, he was almost, you know, knocked outstanding by Roberson. And then he got a hold of him and dragged him down and it was over. So my one concern, and, and I should say right up front, I am picking Teixeira's win as well. Um, I like him a fair amount. However, there is a path to victory for Krylov. You know, primarily it's to keep it standing um, and two, to take advantage of his speed. Uh, I've never seen Krylov as, as a high IQ type of fighter, though. So I don't know if he's going to be able to follow that game plan. Um, so, you know, I've ridden Teixeira, you know, as the dog in his last few fights. And I'm going to ride him again here. But there is a path to victory for Krylov. And I would advise having some Krylov in your GPP lineups. All right. It is main event time. Justin Gaethje, 9,000. Donald Cowboy Cerrone, 7,200. Line on this fight, Gaethje minus 170. Cerrone plus 160. We all know what this fight is. Gaethje super pressure. Cowboy UFC record and finishes. Will Gaethje break? Is Cerrone going to break? Should be violent as long as it lasts. Stack it up in cash. All in in GPPs. I lean towards Gaethje here. I think eventually it's gonna. we're going to revisit the Cerrone has a weak body um, talk after this fight. Gaethje does great work to the legs, to the body. I don't think Cerrone can get him down. Cerrone's obviously alive because Gaethje just absorbs punishment, but at some point it's going to go, and referees are getting quicker to step in and not let him just stand there and eat 75 shots. He'll take a ton of damage. Cerrone with that high kick could put anybody down, even Gaethje. But I just think the pressure of Gaethje is going to get to Cerrone eventually. He doesn't like when people are in his face, and that is what Gaethje is going to do. So give me Gaethje here, but great DraftKings fight to end the day. Joe, start us off. Yeah, so, uh, okay. So let's be straight up here. Cerrone is, who I love, is three months removed from taking hellacious, some would say, life-changing beating um, at the hands of Tony Ferguson. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I get that he is is looking to make money um, and, and he's main eventing here. Um, but I honestly, I, even at his, I mean, I know he's an active fighter, but that's too soon considering the beating he took. Um, I don't see, I like Gaethje. I, I have more than a lean to Gaethje. I, I think, Cerrone has really got one path to victory in my eyes, and that's getting the fight to the ground. Although my good friend, Brett Apley, um, sees the, does not see this fight going to the ground because he believes that um, Justin Gaethje's wrestling, which we never see, will keep Cerrone from trying to get this fight to the ground and in turn will make it a, a stand-up affair where, in my opinion, the constant pressure of Gaethje will, will win and, and he'll, get a, he'll get a stoppage or... Um, you know, Cerrone might just throw the towel. Um, but I, I don't see a path to victory for Cerrone standing. And if he truly is not going to try to get it to the ground, um, then I have to favor Gaethje a lot. Um, and I think he is, is priced right. 
Um, I think, unfortunately, he's going to be extremely popular. Um, although there are a legion of Cerrone report of of supporters, and Cerrone has made money for a lot of people, both on DK and in wagering over the course of his career. So he'll get some ownership. Um, I'm not as certain about the stack. I mean, the stack absolutely killed me last week. Obviously, this is a different type of fight. Um, but I am going to go – I have a pretty strong opinion on Gaethje here. I will have a few shares of Cerrone just because you never know. Um, you know, Gaethje has been beat before. He's been rocked. He's been hurt. Um, I don't think Cerrone's going to have a speed advantage. Um, but uh, give me Gaethje here and, and play a few shares of Cerrone um, on DraftKings. Chris? So I've had to readjust the way I think about Justin Gaethje in his last two fights. Uh, when he came in, I didn't like him because he was a guy who just uh, tried to break you in deep waters. I think coming in, he has like um, uh, two KOs on his record. Um, now he's got two in the UFC from those two one punch. I think he has adjusted um, to the, all the damage he's taking where he's actually now trying to walk people onto shots rather than just get them up against the cage, throw leg kicks, and break them. I think he consciously walked both uh, Barboza and uh, Vic onto those uh, overhand rights. I say that with a lot of confidence. I think that um, this is an interesting fight because, look, we know that um, we know two things. We know that Cowboy has been susceptible to pressure, but we also know that he's found ways to deal with that pressure effectively in recent fights. Clinching up of Mike Perry, landing those body knees against Alex Hernandez, and he's, he's flashing um, a really good stiff jab that I don't remember him having before, at least not to this frequency. Or, um, you know, as, as quite as stinging as this. So all of that's going to be interesting. But ultimately, I think this is kind of like the Tony Ferguson fight in that this is just another level of pressure from those guys. And I think it's going to be really hard unless he really hits him with something that can change the fight early. I think it's going to be really hard um, for him to get in deep waters with uh, a guy like Gaethje. I'm picking Gaethje to win here. But this is this is another one of those fun fights for me where can uh, Cowboy use his jab, use um, certain tools in his toolbox to mitigate that pressure? We're going to see. But um, for right now, I'm taking Gaethje for the win. All right, guys, that's the breakdown for UFC Vancouver. It's time for hot takes in chat. Guys, hit him up before we do that. Either one of you have a hot take ready for UFC Vancouver. Well, I you know what my hot take is. I mean, come on. Connolly is going to stop uh, Pereira by strikes. But you didn't pick him. You had to make it an official pick. Uh, it's it, that's well. No, my hot take is something. A hot take is something that is like well, hot take is something you can still believe is going to happen, though. I do believe it. I I I believe it's the it's it's one of the most common outcomes of the fight. So you're picking it. Sure, we'll go. With there that. we go. That's right. that's better. Man, I'm good at this. Okay, hot take. Let me give up mine. I'm going to say that I don't even know if this is a hot take. Can I say – hang on. Let me – is it a hot take to say every fight on the main card ends in a finish? Is that, I don't even know if that's really a hot take. Uh, yeah, it could be a hot take. I mean, I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Look no. at the fight. It's really not, yeah. No. I No, I don't, I don't accept it. Go back. Do another one. Let's say, <laughs> can you do another one? 
five of the six winning GP, five of the six spots in the winning GPP roster will come from the last five fights of the night. It's going to be, you need to get the last five fights of the night, right? And, and then somewhere else in the card. I mean, that's kind of a variation of the other one, but. All right. We'll say that. <laughs> I love giving him a hard time, um, folks. I'm digging, dipping, digging deep here. Yeah, but I, I, I think quick on my feet. All right. Give me Chas Kelly to stop Jordan Griffin. Okay. Okay. You guys ready for mine? Go for it. Okay. So, um, Luis Smoka, um, outscores Antonio Carlos Jr. in a win, and in doing so, goes 13x. All right. I, I, you know what? I'll allow that because of how specific it is. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting really, uh, really judgmental about these now. Right. I'm going to roll okay. through some viewer hot takes because we started off the episode giving these guys a bunch of props. I want to continue that. So I'm going to read a bunch because a bunch came in. John Tiller, Azur, and Johns on the optimal lineup. Mm-hmm. Will Tuska, hot take, nuts lineup leaves 1,000 on the table. I love those kind of – I hope – Matt, what are you doing to me here? McDonald's Taj, by BKO? I'll get there. Taji K. Bay. Tajik Bay. I'm just giving – That's I'm, rustic, dude. I'm, Sean, I'm, just I'm, FYI, that's rustic on Twitter. I know, but I'm just – I'm just uh, okay. I'm reading the name here, and I'm pulling a Joe with the names. Uh, Cowboy retires after his fight. Really don't see that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Sakai on the optimal. One way, Pereira is going to KO himself with a cartwheel kick. <laughs> I, like that. I like that one a lot. A good one. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Deronimo, Jordan Griffin, and Uriah Hall get KOs. Uh, Ryan, Jordan Griffin, inside the distance. Vince Duffy by spinning back fist in less than two minutes. Mm. All right. So those are some viewer hot takes, guys. Really appreciate all your support. Make sure you follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at the DF Sniper. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Joe is at Sun Tzu. Episode presented by Rotowire. Go to rotowire.com slash free 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Like, comment, subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Once again, thanks, everyone, for the support. Good luck in your contest. We will see you next week. Peace. Later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.